Uh, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We looked last week at the good news, the, the proclamation. We learned about, and we've, we've heard it all, but you know, you can study things. I, I was sharing with Ethan the other day, uh, he, he has a, kind of a like taste in old movies that I do, and especially uh, like Burt Reynolds' old movies. And, and, and I didn't realize until just the other day, I was watching a little interview with him, and he's, you know, he's dead and gone. Uh, but he was almost bigger than life when he was younger. And they were interviewing him. He was actually on the circuit promoting the movie, The Longest Yard. And we think of Smokey and the Bandit and all the later stuff. But the, the Gators and all those, well, he was promoting The Longest Yard. And he got talking about how they paid the extras. A lot of them were prisoners, actual prisoners. And... Uh, it was in Reedsville. Did y'all know it was filmed in Reedsville? I didn't know that. I'm from Powder Springs. I didn't know it was filmed in Reedsville. And he talks about it throughout this interview. And I showed Ethan. He said, that's cool. You know, and I, you could see one of the towers that I've rode by, you know, and saw. And, and that's we learned something there. Even in something old that we have seen over and over, we learned something about it. God's word is eternal. And I challenge you this Christmas to open your heart and open your mind to what God has to say to you fresh about the birth of the Savior. The thing that I keep getting is there is no celebration. There is no holiday. There is no songs. There is no family get-togethers. All of that is subsequent to this. To this. And it came to pass. In those days, that there went out a decree from Caesar, Augustus, that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea. And to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the end. We know this by heart. We've sang these songs away in the manger in silent night. And we've sang all the other secular songs as well. And we go to parties and we do all these things. But we need to hesitate this morning and realize we're all here today with the poinsettias and all the the. the the decorations all over. I went to the restroom. There's a big old beautiful wreath hanging on the mirror in the men's restroom. That doesn't happen every other Sunday of the year. We do not have senior adult get-togethers and children's get-togethers and children's choir 
presentations and, and plays and adult plays and choir presentations and all of these things. It's about Christ. It's about Jesus. It's about the Son of God. Every single bit of it. It's not about your family get together. It's not about how far someone travels. It's not about the greatest present that you wanted, you got. It's about the fact that Christ the Savior is born. Today we celebrate the birth of Jesus. I love all the trappings. I do. I have a wonderful, beautiful nativity set that was my grandmother's little porcelain nothing fancy something you'd probably think about giving a couple dollars for in a yard sale but it was my grandmother's and it was the fact that my grandmother understood and believed and trusted in the Jesus of that birth you see we celebrate it no matter our age we remember don't you remember the excitement of waking up to the realization that it was Christmas. It was like Philip talking about waiting for something. You wake up, you're excited. The sheer joy of rushing to see what gifts we had received. The food, the fun, the fellowship with family that we rarely saw except on special days. As children... We didn't realize all the work and the planning that went on to make this special day for us. Today, we often are no different in that we do not hesitate to remember what God did for us. You know, when we were kids, we just, we went to the table when they called us. We didn't think about the hours and hours of preparation. We didn't think about the work that was put into making a paycheck to be able to buy that food. That meant more than the stuff we throw away today. In the intricate details of the first Christmas present, Christ's birth, we can see the fulfillment of prophecy, the careful planning, and the passionate perfection of a holy God. In review this morning, I want you to look at the planning of the miraculous birth. We talked about this last week, and so we will go kind of quickly through it. We need to understand that God is sovereign. What does that mean? Well, you break down the word to reign and to be over, and we see in its originality, we see in the very root base of what this word is all about, God is above all things. God is stronger than all things. God is the ultimate ruler of all time, of eternity. There's only one God. And there's never, ever been one moment where anything slipped outside of his grasp. Think about all you put into planning Christmas. I watch my wife. I watch the ladies on staff here as they prepare for things. I watch ministry leaders and getting things together. I'm going to tell you, I still rejoice over how wonderful the children did last Sunday night. But Miss Michelle said, 
Two weeks ago, I never thought that would have happened. The We Ones was tremendous. Our We Ones ministry, it was phenomenal. Well, I was in the back room before they came out, and I thought within five minutes of that thing starting, it wasn't ever going to happen. I looked around, and I just like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to go pray, sit down, and hide, because this thing is going to be a fiasco. I had never seen so many kids melt down before a performance, and then they all came out and just showed out in the right way. God was in it. You see, we, we, we prepare. We have parties and decorations and trips, coordinating present exchanges and meals and secret Santas and white elephants and all kinds of other things. They're all the result of detailed planning. What do we call, what do we call the sheep when we're kids? They named a wholesale book after. Yeah, well, they name it Sears. That's not our list. A what? Or a wish list. The wish book. The wish list. We make out our, and our parents will say, well, make me a list. You know? Make you a list. We even hear Santa talking about checking it twice. My daddy checked for grammatical errors, I think, and he, he checked it about 37 times. But the truth is, we go into such great detail of what we want, how we want it, my favorite Christmas movie of all. When he finally gets to Santa, he freezes. And when he starts to leave, he thinks, oh, I've lost my chance. I've lost my chance. And he climbs back up the slide against all the forces of evil and everything going against him. And he goes into great detail. He said, I want this model, this model, Daisy Red Rider BB gun. And he smiles real big. He said, I got it out. I told Santa what I wanted. And in return, he said, yeah, put your kid, your eye out, kid. And he gets Santa's boots. I'm afraid that that resembles the way the world has treat, treated the Christ of Christmas today. That all of our worldly parties and our, our business arrangements have diminished the real purpose. Imagine all the preparation. God prepared the world. He prepared the world for this moment. Philip led right into it for more than seven centuries before Christ. The, the, the prophet Micah wrote, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. He's the ancient of days. Micah 5, 2 states how appropriate for the bread of life that John tells us about to be born in the house of bread. But you see, the house of bread does not matter unless you have the bread of life which is Christ Jesus, our Lord. They had manna, or what is it, in the wilderness, and he said they died, but I will come and give you life, and that you may have life more abundantly. Church, God prepared the world for hundreds and hundreds of years, for thousands of years, when we step back into the very garden, when God prophesied through the curses on Adam and Eve and Satan. He looked at the serpent and he said, listen, I'm going to send a savior. 
It went like this. For I will put enmity or division between your seed and hers. It shall bruise thy head and it shall bruise his heel. Romans 16.20 tells us that Satan's head shall be bruised under our feet shortly. My friends, as believers, that day's coming. Where all of Satan's attacks on us, all the family division, all the lies and the hell that he's unleashed on this world... God will put it under the feet of the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Don't think for a second it has. Galatians 4.4 4 says, In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. In reminder, listen, during this day it was different than any other day. Through the Babylonian captivity, through the Egyptian bondage, through entering into the promised land and relative peace in the days of Solomon. It was completely different because you see, this peace was more global. Under the Roman government, they had developed a road system connecting and transforming isolated villages. So they now was part of a network. Peace and roads made travel possible. One world language, the Koine Greek that we have, the New Testament. And though there were still thousands of languages, we know that from Genesis. This language, Greek, was the language of commerce. Like traveling the world, people speaks. You can buy this for one American dollar. It was that same way. It meant that the fame of Jesus and the written accounts of his gospel would proliferate quicker than any other way. This could not have had happened had, it been, had he been sent earlier. You see, it was a personal and prophetical and worldwide reason. Why was that at this point in human history that God had sent his son? Then God prepared a woman. We talked about this last week. But I don't think we can talk too much about it because the virgin birth is a foundational truth of our faith. And we cannot misunderstand the virgin birth. Or we will have a co-redemptrix. Or we will end up with more messiahs than just Jesus. You see, the first church council based out of Nicaea in A.D. 325, affirmed that Jesus was of the very same substance as the Father, begotten, not created. There were those who would try to dumb it down and try to say, oh, Jesus was a created being. He took on the robe of flesh, but He was always God. Y'all hear me? Jesus is God. We cannot be so infatuated on the manger that we forget the cross. We cannot be so infatuated on the manger and on the wise men. And I'm going to tell you, when we study about it, we hear about the shepherds and the wise men, all that, I love all that. But you know the two that I love to read about that came to see Jesus more than the rest of them? I love to read about Anna and Simeon. They had prayed their whole life. Philip asked us about waiting for something. They waited their whole life. Many had waited before them and had died looking ahead just as God told Abraham he would and Isaac and Jacob and all the tribes of Jacob and on and on and on. But in this day, 
Anna. And Simeon looked and says, I have waited my whole life. He said, I can now die. I have seen the Savior. In 381, the second council affirmed that Jesus had a body, mind, and soul. It, it refuted Arianism. It refuted Apollinarianism. They tried to divide the human side from God's side. They tried, uh, and it was not sides. He's 100% God and 100% man. It is called in Christology and theology the hypostatic union, meaning Christ is fully God, fully human, which could only happen through a virgin birth. I've known some pretty good people in my life. Some very, very, very godly men and women. None of them could procreate an incorruptible seed. We're all born into sin and how, how good you are. We need to do everything we can to walk and, and be holy even as He is holy. God's Word teaches us that. But I'm here to tell you, you will always fail the grace of God. But it is because of the grace of God that we are accepted in the Beloved through Jesus Christ our Lord. He prepared a woman. Jesus Born of a virgin. Let me stop and ask you. You're, you're not going to give birth to the Messiah. It's already happened. Don't need to happen again. But I want to ask you, what very specific thing has God chosen you for? What is it? What is it God wants out of your life? That you're not seeing? Or you see it, you're just denying it. You're, you see it, you're not denying it, you're just running from it. But God's got his call on your life. He's clearly, and listen, I know because I was one of them who ran for two years with a clear calling on his life. And the two most regrettable years of my life was lived in complete, utter rejection, rebellion to the will of God. But oh, I felt like, felt like the man that was sent to the Jordan River the last time he come up out of it. You know, the times before he come back, he said, nothing's changed. But the last time when he come up, he was completely changed. And all the leprosy was gone. That's the way I felt that day when I took my head back off that steering wheel. After saying, God, whatever you want, however you want, wherever you want, whenever, right now, Father, if you can do anything with this, have at it. And here, 36 years later, listen to me, 36 years yesterday, me and God had that talk in front of Six Flags. More God talked than I listened. You hear what I'm saying? But I did talk in the way of God used me, however you want. God prepared a woman. God's preparing you. And I want you to understand God prepares the way. I don't know what I'll do. I don't know where I'll go. I don't know how I'll do it. And listen, Guatemala is June 13th through the 20th. June, that's the sixth month. Because we don't read bulletins, but it's going to be published, published in everything. June 13th through the 20th. Better way to remember it is it's not the week before Bible school this year. Bible school ends on Thursday. 
You have Friday off. You sleep all day, 24 hours. But on Saturday, we will leave. And we'll go on the 13th of June. And God is challenging. I've never been on a plane. What a great time to go. I look back. I just got to say, I look back here right now. And Lane's already so psyched. She went, boy, to be that excited about what Jesus is doing in our life. To send us when God said send us. Together, changing the world. I want to tell you, we've got a video, a Lottie Moon video next week that ought to set, set your heart ablaze of people that's going on the mission field. It'll blow your mind when you see it. God prepares the way. You don't. Everybody went to Guatemala. Did God just not pave out the potholes and straighten the curves of things we never thought could have happened? And it just happened. It just worked. Because God was in it. He said in verse 6 and 7, And so it was. Amen. And so it was. You know, everything can be changed. What the president says, what the Congress say, listen, they, most of it needs to be changed. And even the Supreme Court can overrule the same Supreme Court. This whole idea of everything's being done with prejudice means I don't want to hear anything more about it. I'm going to tell you, somebody somehow will run some in route, we'll hear about it again. But when God says, listen to me, and so it was, there's nothing the world can do to change it. I like that, don't you? Salvation has never changed. It's, st it's still the same. He said that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Jesus, Jehovah saves, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now get this. At the first glance, what do we always make a big deal out of? The main, uh, being born in a barn, Right? And that is a big deal. Listen, he didn't need a birthing unit in a women's wing of the greatest hospital in Jerusalem. Just needed a place for Mary and Joseph to sit down and to do what God had created man and woman to do. And she delivered that child there in that stable. At first glance, one might think that Having no hotel reservations was a very, very bad result of poor planning. No. It was divine planning. Even the lowly birth in a barn was planned. After all, where else would one expect a lamb of God to be born? He wasn't born to rule then. He came to serve and to die as a suffering Messiah. God was preparing a way for our salvation. God prepared all of mankind with a way out of sin, death, punishment, and fear. And the only way, the only name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved is Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that is what all God's planning led up to. The birth of a Savior. But notice in, in God preparing, it, it was a way of delight. We ought to enjoy the ride. And the angel said, fear not. How many of us are living, living in constant fear? 
We're worried about what people may think. We're worried about, I don't know enough. We're worried about, oh, I'll mess up and all these kinds of things. Yeah, what's your point? He told Paul that his grace is sufficient. And that his strength is perfected through our Weakness. If you wait till you reach some pinnacle of what you think you ought to be for God to use you, you'll never serve. If you wait till you reach some, some, uh, uh, height of faith and understanding before you ever step on a plane and go on a mission trip or serve in a vacation Bible school or work with a college ministry, you will never ever do it. But if you see it as a way of delight, there's not one person left here a year ago after that night to shine and says, Preacher, I really wished I wouldn't have spent my whole night up here doing that. What a waste of time. They don't even get it. They don't. Why do we do that? I've not heard any of that. Joy, you heard any of that? I ain't heard any. All I heard was. College kids coming up with tears running down their face saying, this is the greatest moment of my life. I've seen teenagers bursting with joy. I've seen people who've never done anything in church serve in ways that only God could use them to share the love of Jesus Christ. May it be more than novel. May it be a way of delight. But then it was a way of deliverance. He said in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. What's a Savior? What's a Savior anyway? What is that? A Savior is one. There, see, salvation demands that there must be a need for salvation and there must be someone or something that can save that which needs saving. Well, number one, we know there's a need for salvation because the Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. There is none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Are you getting the picture? You're really not that big of a deal. You really are messed up. But God in his grace and mercy from the foundation of the world and in the fullness of time loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Church, it's the way of deliverance. Ultimately, that is what all God's planning led up to. The birth of a Savior. Saved people. You remember when you got saved? Do you remember when you got saved? Are you happy about it at all? 
Or have you become so satisfied in the rut of this world, you're doing whatever you're doing in complete opposition to God's plan, God's purpose, God's holiness, God's righteousness, and you have self-justified, you have rationalized, said, well, compared to them, I'm doing all right. I'm going to tell you something. God's not going to judge you on a, on, on a bell curve based on what somebody else does. I'm going to, you know what? You know how God's going to judge you? In comparison to his son. Are you living up to the fulfillment of that? Do you even know? Will you stand before a judgment where you are judged completely on Jesus' righteousness and your lostness? Hear me today. If you miss everything else, you hear what I'm telling you today. There's hope for your life. You've grown up in church. You've attended this church. You give of a tithe. You may sing in the choir. You may be a deacon. You may teach Sunday school. But only you and God knows that there's never been a moment when you have bent your knee and repented and said, God, I am such a broken sinner. And without you, I'll die and go to hell. There's never been a moment where you, I'm going to tell you, this whole clicking your heels, popping gum, signing a card, walking down, shaking the preacher's hand, and getting wet in a baptism is leading people down the primrose path of destruction. Hear me today. If you never bend your knee and confess with your mouth, believing in your heart that you're a sinner and he's a savior and only he can do the saving and you confess, I am broken. I am born into this sin and without you, I cannot live. Father, forgive me, cleanse me, make me, mold me, use me, Lord, above all things, save me. You'll die and go to hell. The plan of salvation is simple. God created the world. And after six days, it was perfect and he sat down. Man chose to rebel thinking they could be God. Adam and Eve both. And because of that, sin has passed upon all mankind. But God in his infinite love prepared a sacrifice that born in a manger, living without sin, born of a virgin, went to a cruel cross of his own accord and gave his life for you. To be victorious over sin, not only did He die for it as the Lamb of God, but He's risen in the newness of life that we may have life eternal. And He tells us that if we believe it in our heart, we confess, I love the ABCs of the plan of salvation. A, admit you're a sinner. Believe, B, believing that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And C, confessing your sins and confessing His Lord, pleading for Him to come into your life and to save you. That's the plan of salvation, church. God made it. Man made it, messed it up. And Christ came to redeem it. And it's all God's plan. Why? Because he's the sovereign God of the universe. But then the publication of the marvelous birth. God made sure that the world would hear about the birth. 
He used angels. It said they were shepherds abiding in the field, watching over their flock. And the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were very afraid. And the angel said, hey, dude, calm down. Don't panic. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Listen, the publication was made by the angels. And then the shepherds came, didn't they? The shepherds. Do you know that shepherds were the lowest class of citizen just above a leper? And the shepherds came down to that stable because Jesus' salvation doesn't work on a hierarchy. It doesn't work on a pecking order. It doesn't work on what your gross income or net income is. It does not work on what your family name is. It works on his name. And those shepherds came and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And what's the first thing they did when they stood up? They went and said, let's tell everybody. The woman at the well, come see a man. Andrew, Peter, Simon, dude, I've met the Messiah. Out of all time, I just met him. I got off the boat and it was the Messiah. Peter, you've got to come meet him. You see, by the angels, by the shepherds, but now by us. I want you to hear something. God didn't, God is not using the angels today to proclaim it. They don't get it. We do. Christians, it's time to open your mouth and stand up and be the good news this world needs by telling them Jesus saves. The transformation, we've seen the publication, but the transformation brought by the magnificent birth of the Savior. Listen, truly it was miraculous, wasn't it? Virgin birth. Don't happen all the time. Matter of fact, the only time it's ever happened in the history of the world and the universe. Only time it's going to happen. It was miraculous. Man, I love good news, don't you? I love good news, don't you? I mean, they say the greatest two words in the English language language is check enclosed. You know, we like that kind of stuff. Told Becky the other day, I said, hey, I got a, I got a refund check when I turn 50 on my insurance. You think I'd get another one at 55? I'm still waiting. Haven't seen it. Transformation now through the magnificent Birth, oh, how glorious. In the birth of baby Jesus, the world received its Savior. Fallen mankind now has eternal hope. That fact changes lives and causes joy unspeakable in the heart of believers. You see, there's a theme to the aftermath of Christmas. Can I remind you of something? We get the old goos and gauze and the really fuzzy feelings of seeing Jesus in the manger. But let's not forget he didn't stay there. Do you know for two years he had to run and hide with his family in Egypt? Do you know at 12 years old he walked into the temple and blew all the rabbis' minds? 
even infuriated his mama. Don't, where are you being? He got the same thing we get. Except when he spoke, the power of his word spoke. He is the word, by the way, right? So can you imagine the feeling? Because, you know, they want to get aggravated. You ever got aggravated at your kid and you found out that, that what they were doing is really the even better thing than what you wanted from them? And then you're like, oh. And you're trying to save face and be humble and act like you meant it a different way. Mary and Joseph, they're like, where have you been? We've been all in there. Do you not know I must be about my father's business? At 30 years old, he entered into ministry, and for three and a half years, he healed the blind, raised the lame, brought the dead back to life, fed the hungry, gave water eternal to those who had a thirst for that water of life. He ministered for three and a half years. And on that fateful day, he cried, it is finished. And he drove a nail through it and completed the plan of salvation. Oh, but on the Lord's day, very early in the morning, please, sir, would you tell us where you put our loved one? Oh, Mary. It was Jesus. Oh, James and John, Peter, they ran. They said, oh, he's alive. He's alive. The transformation, it means a removal of fear. Listen, what do we fear? The unknown of death. When it will come, how it will come, what happens when we get there? Oh, it's put down because death has no sting through the resurrection of Jesus. It's the removal of fear of the known judgment, sickness, separation, failure in Christ Jesus. We find our fulfillment. We're more than conquerors. What are you facing today that you feel like you can't overcome? What stronghold has you around the neck and you feel like you can't breathe? Today, give it to Jesus and let Him set you free. That's what Christmas is about. Today, transform, refocusing on the glory and the goodness and the greatness of God. Never has mankind lived in a more narcissistic age than now. Life is all about me. What I want. What I think, what my preferences are. And if not, I'll just take my toys and go home. So naturally, we tend to dwell on ourselves, our problems, and our frustrations. But the birth of Christ was meant to get our minds off of self and on to the Savior. Every day is Christmas. And every day is Easter for a born-again believer. We rejoice from the heart. Remember the wise men? I know the timing wasn't the same and all that, but get it. They came, all right? As the direct result of a Christmas, uh, of Christmas, our fears are relieved. In fact, God has replaced fear with hope, with joy, which are experienced only through faith. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to be a wise man or woman today, he doesn't want your gold. He doesn't care about your frankincense and he sure doesn't need your myrrh for anointing. What he wants is you.
I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know, that you may know, church, that you may know the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Are you rejoicing this Christmas as they come to the instruments? Do you know? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you know Him in the fullness of walking in the freedom of being in His will? This whole idea that I can be saved and not have to come to church. This whole idea, I'm saved, but I don't have to be baptized. This whole idea that God has saved me, but I'm not going to serve Him. It's alien to the will of God. It's alien to Scripture. It's alien to the family of God. I want you to understand something. God carefully planned out that first Christmas. So careful because... He has a plan for you. We are his publicity team. There are no angels proclaiming it on the street corners. It is up to us. We've been challenged. Christmas celebration will be over Wednesday night. It'll all be done. We'll be burning boxes. Cleaning up wrapping paper. Taking down trees. It's amazing. We're so excited to get it out. And boy, we can't wait to get it all up and out of the way and cleaned up. It'll be over by Thursday when the sun sets, probably. But the miracle of Christmas, the transformation can happen every single day when we trust Him as our Lord and Savior. Do you know Jesus as Savior? You're not going to get to heaven because your mama's saved. And you're sure not going to enter into heaven because you're a good mama or a good daddy. You will go into glory one way and one way only. And that is through your prayer of confession and repentance. Asking the Lord to save you and change you. What is it God wants from your life today? Does He want you to come as the wise man shepherd and just kneel at His feet and say... You deserve all the glory. You need to be baptized. You need to join here. Whatever God wants from you, do not hesitate to come. Stand and come to Jesus. Come. Come to the Savior. He came for you.